psycho man If you have a need for new and exciting products, Zero3D.com takes a clean slate approach to design and manufacturing. Zero3D.com features a wide variety of innovative products for the Harley Touring Market and other Harley Big Twins such as the Softail and Trike models. Zero3D's product line includes parts for performance, comfort, and lighting. You'll be getting components of great quality and are affordable for the rider. Because we are riders, we have a passion for design and innovation, and there is always something new to see at Zero3D.com. All of our products offer easy installation. With the proper tools and a little experience, you'll be able to get a part or accessory from Zero3D on the bike with no welding, grinding, or cutting. At Zero3D, we also have a design team with over 40 years of experience, and because our story is deeply tied to motorcycles, we offer great customer service when you need it. And Zero3D's design team is at all the big rallies where we are talking to riders and are working with riders face-to-face. Zero3D products are distributed in the United States by Drag Specialties, in Europe by Parts Europe and Zodiac, and in Asia by Twin Art. Check at your local Harley dealer and ask for Zero Parts. Visit Zero3D.com or call us at 715-808-0027 if you have any questions about any Zero3D.com product. Design is the landscape of the mind, where innovation dwells. We are Zero, zero Zero3D.com. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of the Motorcycle Men podcast. I am Ted, your host, here in the V-Twin Cafe in the corner booth with my guests from the Cafe Racer podcast, and we're going to talk about some cool bikes. But first... Thank you for tuning in and listening to this show and, of course, all of the Motorcycle Men podcast episodes. Some news. Effective immediately, 50% of all contributions via Patreon and direct donations will be donated to VetRest. VetRest helps veterans who live with post-traumatic stress. And we here at the Motorcycle Men are doing our part to make sure that our servicemen and women are taken care of. So your donation and contribution to the podcast also benefits them. If you don't want to help us, at least help them. Your help, regardless of its size, goes a long way to help. So if you would like to help out our vets and, to a lesser extent, the show, you can make a one-time contribution by clicking on the Donate button on the homepage at MotorcycleMen.us, or you can also click on the Subscribe button there, and you will be taken to a, uh, another page where you can make a monthly donation, be it a dollar or whatever you want. Either case, anything you want to donate, we must greatly appreciate it, and you will be helping our boys and women in uniform. Most of all, thank you for being a knucklehead and telling your fellow riders. um, It's another great way to show your appreciation for the show. But anyway, if you would like to donate to the show, anything you can do would be greatly appreciated, and of course, you'll be helping our boys. Uh, We have received many comments from many of you knuckleheads out there, although we cannot get to all of them. Please know that we are truly honored that you listen to us and take the time to write to us. So please keep that up. It's really wonderful wonderful to hear from you. Now, as you know, we here at the Motorcycle Man Podcast are Harley Cruiser guys. And though we get a lot of ribbing about that, that is our thing. And as you also know, we appreciate all types of bikes and all types of riders. So we're not biased in any sense of the imagination. If you twist the throttle, you are okay with us. And we are glad to have you in our community. So... Without further ado, good evening, everyone. This is episode number 89 of the Motorcycle Men podcast. Joining me now from two different places across the country, our friends from the Cafe Racer podcast, we got Steve Grasso and Christopher Ashmore, or Crash, from the uh, Cafe Racer podcast. Hello, boys. Welcome to the Motorcycle Men podcast. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Lovely. How's things in Fort Lauderdale and San Diego? It's raining right now in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, it is! Uh, it's gorgeous outside. Oh, in shut San up. Diego. It's gorgeous <laughs> outside almost every day. <laughs> do we hate him now? Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, not for anything. Usually here in New Jersey, it's pretty crappy most of the time. 
But uh, past few weeks, we've had, we've had some pretty decent weather the past couple of uh, Actually, this past week, we've had some really good weather. But anyway, so boys, you guys um, have the Cafe Racer podcast. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what inspired you guys to start that? Uh, let's see. I think I'll start since I've been doing the show. Uh, Steve came on a little later. In its uh, in its lifespan, but uh, I I was I was a like a pretty active podcast listener to like all kinds of stuff, a lot of like technology podcasts and stuff like that. Right. And I listened to a few motorcycle shows that were around back in the, like the early two thousands, and then they all kind of faded away, oh. or most of them anyway, sort of faded away. And I was like, well, you know, I, this this can't be super hard. I think maybe I'd like to do one. Hey, wait, wait. Was the and pace so, guy, was pace around back then? No. Uh, how old is the pace? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I I didn't start listening to the pace until after I started doing my show. Oh, okay. And then I heard about the pace through like literally just getting on iTunes and checking to make sure that my show was up properly, and it right. said shows like this, the Pace Podcast. And I was ah. like, oh, what's that? And Wheel Nerds Podcast. So I clicked those guys oh, and started we, listening. to We that. don't talk about those guys. I think I think <laughs> the oldest one really that I think. Crash and I were both listening to this. Was Tom Loudermilk's side stand up? And uh, I don't think I've ever heard of that one. It, that show ran for eleven years. No kidding. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well, the LAB guys have been around for a while, and there's another one. It's called the. Uh, oh God, I think it's the like Wild Hog Radio. Is that one? That one's been around for a while too. Anyway, I've never listened to that one. Oh, go ahead, but, yeah, it was like the literally the weekend my son was born. I, I released the first episode, so it's easy to keep track of how old the ah. show is because it's the exact same age as my son. So five and a half years now, I guess. Wow, wow! How many episodes you guys got now? Uh, one sixty something. I don't. I can yeah, look but right we've now. We got we have other ones that aren't numbered. Like we don't number <clears throat> some of the interview episodes and yeah some other stuff. So I don't know. We think. Crash, we're probably 200, maybe. Oh, yeah. Close to that, yeah. I mean, we're. Yeah. Uh, let me look real quick. We are on. Oh, we're only on 106 as far as, um, like, yeah, episodes so that, that have been it, numbered. It won't so be yeah, probably. Then. Yeah, probably close to, like, 120 or so. You're going to have to retroactively go back and renumber all of your episodes. Yeah, we don't, we're, not, we're not real <laughs> serious about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Continue, Chris. You were telling us. So, Steve, you want to talk about how you kind of came on the show? So, I was a fan. I was listening to the show, and uh, Crash had put a request out for people to send in sound files of their motorcycle, and I sent mine in, and he played it, and I was like all excited. Wow, I actually heard my bike on on the podcast, and then he had an episode where he talked about. Uh, some people had said you need a co-host and I sent him a message and said, why don't you just have people from the industry, you know, as guest co-hosts and, and he goes, yeah, it's cool. When are you available? And I'm like, dude, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm nobody, man. I'm just a listener. And he, I think by, you kind of mentioned that you were going to do some, you're going to go to a, I think either like Dania beach or one of the other shows down yeah. in Florida. Yeah. And then we, we, him and I ended up, I think that show was like more than an hour and a half when I came on there as a guest and we just hit it off and then people started writing in and saying they liked the dynamic between us and you know we we solidified the relationship we actually uh, are a, a kind of a media company we have an LLC do you really look at you yeah. guys it, wow. it, was, it was a match made in hell so. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> now were you guys ever in the same place at the same time we have been a couple story. times a couple yeah. times yeah and there's actually, uh, before Crash and I actually really met each other, we have a mutual friend who, her claim to fame, it's Chrissy Farrell from the Motorific podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. She said, I'm the only human being in the world that have met both you and Crash. Oh, yeah. it's kind of like that like, Superman Clark Kent thing, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Steve and I actually met for the first time in person at Overland Expo 2014, and I think we'd been doing the show for about a, a year together at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. And then I came out to uh, to AIM Expo a few years, a couple years ago, when it was in Florida. Yeah, Crash came out to my house, stayed there, and then we we went up to the AIM Expo together. And 
I'll probably be out in San Diego sometime next year. If he's still stationed there, I'm going to plan on ha- hanging out with him and doing some riding there. Oh, uh, Crash, have you always been stationed West Coast? No, I, um, I'm originally from Virginia. Okay. Uh, the Navy saw fit to station me 20 minutes from my parents' house. When, Yay. From my, I was like, way to go, guys. Join the Navy to see the world. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You and I, we're, we're, we're fellow squids. And, you know, in, in, in the military, you know, Navy squids. In, in a motorcycle world, squid is something totally different. So, yeah, as you know. Yeah. Um, Ni- neither of us is that kind of squid. No, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh I got to see the world. I, I went to Guantanamo and, and Iceland. That's it. That's the two okay. places I went. So not much of the world to see. Uh, so you, what are you guys riding right now, Crash and Steve? What do you, what's your current ride? And tell us about yourselves as far as it goes for your riding. Sure. I, uh, I actually have two bikes in the garage right now. One of them is technically my wife's, but I have ridden it more than she has. Where is Jess? Uh, Why isn't she here? She is, uh, I believe, making dinner. So? Um, right now. <laughs> Okay. So she's she's about thirty feet from me. And what, just what, are we, room. what are we eating? I I don't know. Actually, well, it's a well, surprise. Well, come on, our listeners want to know. Find out what she. Gruel. Are you eating? Gruel. She's making a pot <laughs> of gruel. Uh, gruel. Pro- probably yeah. Pro- probably something delicious. Actually, she's really good at uh, cooking. Um, and uh, in in the interest of you know s- supporting feminism, I cook a lot as well. So before you get all up on my case, like nah, nah, my nah, wife nah. is where she belongs in the kitchen. It's, uh, it, it's okay. <laughs> it's like, we're we're all about the riding and food, so that's okay. So uh, yeah, so she has a Suzuki GS five hundred. It's a two thousand and one that we have been laboring on a lot lately. And then I have a two thousand nine Triumph Bonneville. That is. Uh, an ever-changing thing. It, it started out as a standard, you know, upright seating position, Bonneville SE, and then started to look more like a Thruxton, so more of a cafe racer style, and then is now sort of like somewhere between a scrambler and a cafe racer. And it doesn't have any handlebars or a right foot peg at the moment. It's just in my garage. Oh, so it's a balancing waiting. act you're going for. Yeah. It's a circus one bike. one foot peg and no, <laughs> and no handlebars. <laughs> So you're still sitting in the garage while I wait for FedEx what's, to deliver me what's things. What's going on there, Crash? You changing out parts again? Mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds like he's going for the circus bike. It's yeah. uh, riding, you know, riding Jess's GS 500 reminded me of how much I like the, like, typical upright seating position. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, how? I'll get on eBay, find the parts I need to put the Bonneville back in its, like, stock configuration. See how I like it. If I like it, great. If I don't, I can just sell all that stuff on eBay again and probably not be out too much money. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm actually going to keep the stuff I take off this time. Mm-hmm. So I can just put it right back on. And how long has the bike been in a state of disarray? Just a couple of days. I, it, uh, I thought um, that I was going to have everything to keep it on the road by yesterday. So like this past weekend, I took a few things apart. And then I went on this, like, wild goose chase all over San Diego to, like, every hardware store that's open on the weekends trying to find a bolt that was the right length, and I could not. So then I was like, well, it's okay. I've got one more part that's supposed to be here on Monday, and everything will be good. It'll be back on the road. And then I got home, and Jess had gone to a parts a hardware store that was open on Monday, got me the bolts, but <clears throat> FedEx had not delivered the the right foot peg, so... And and I realized that I bought the wrong uh, triple tree. So there's just it's I bought one from a different version of the Bonneville that doesn't fit mine. Right. I thought it did. Like, oh, that, so this doesn't is, fit. Is that the day you texted me and said you were having a really bad day? Yes, it was like yeah. everything I did was a failure. I, I succeeded right. at nothing that day. So it your was, wife your wife cooks great, and she also gets yeah. parts for the motorcycle. So yeah. she's doing it all right, and you're not. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she's uh, aside from uh, you know, well, not even doing anything wrong. Like she's she's dropped her GS a few times in the parking lot, which has been fun. She gets really discouraged about it, and I'm like, uh, "You're a brand new rider. That's the whole point of getting you a shitty bike, because <laughs> this is going to happen." She's like, "But I dropped it." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I, I figured that was going to happen." Just wrenches on her own bike. There was yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah I saw the videos. Yeah, yeah. She actually posted a picture of. Uh, Crash was out on a, a deployment, and uh, she had a picture of the carburetor sitting there with a, a manual while she was trying yeah, to rebuild she, them. She put the carbs together from a box uh, 
pretty much herself. The only thing that was wrong in the end was like the two main jets were flip flopped because you know like the the different sizes were in the wrong spot. But I mean, I, that's I wouldn't. I don't think I would have done any better than that. Better than I ever did rebuilding a carburetor. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I suck at. I, I don't know anything about carburetors. <laughs> this is why we have fuel injected bikes. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Steve, what are you riding? Uh, I've got a 2002 Moto Gucci V11 10A. Hence, Guzzi Steve. Yeah. and I used to have two Moto Guccis. I had a Stelvio at one point, and I got rid of that, and I have a 2015 KTM Super Adventure. Oh, look at you going all big time. Yeah, I like the big adventure bikes. Uh, we both do. You know, We're both a fan of the cafe bikes. We're both a fan of adventure bikes. Um, we have like a little side project that we do. That's an adventure bike thing too, wow. but uh, it, and I'm hoping you know in the near future to get uh, an older. I want to get an older vintage Honda. I got a guy I can together. hook you up. I got a guy I can hook you up with who has about thirty vintage Hondas. Really? Yeah, he's in upstate New York. Yeah, you know what's funny is I, the first motorcycle that I bought was a CB1100F. They made it one year in '83 and. A buddy of mine had one that had sat in his garage since 96. He passed away a few years ago, and his brother just recently sold it to the president of our vintage bike club here, and he was texting me a picture the other day showing it running after the first time since 96. Wow. We were kind of kicking it back and forth about the possibility of me buying it, but I'm kind of going through some transitions right now with selling a house and moving, and I may wait till after that's all done, but I may end up... You know, that that's a bike that kind of has a little bit of a sentimental value for me. Yeah. You know, it was first motorcycle. It's a cool bike. Wow. Cool. It's that Honda standard, you know. What bike do you ride more now? You riding the uh, Guzzi more? Well, no, really the KTM, only because I'm having some issues with the Guzzi that I've been trying to sort out electrical. You know, owning an Italian bike is, is more of an adventure than it is just motorcycle ownership. And I got to pull the starter again and figure it out. The, the Guzzi's a... a a blast to ride. It's a lot of fun. Crash has actually ridden that bike. But for long travel and I commute a lot, it, it's not really conducive to that because of the low bars. Yeah. It's got clip-ons. Um, it's it's a cool bike. It's a lot of fun to ride. But I ride the, the KTM more because it's more like an SUV. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know what you need to do? You need to talk to Phil up at the Cleveland Moto. He can help you out with the Guzzi. Actually, I've spent a lot of time talking to Phil on the phone about the bike. We, him and I have had some long conversations about stuff with it, and he helped me sort out a couple things. But it's just it's some weird thing. You know, when you talk to Guzzi aficionados, they'll tell you, oh, do this, do that. And I've tried pretty much everything with the exception of taking the solenoid off the starter and cleaning it. And that most guys are telling me they think that might be the issue. I actually took the starter off, took it to a starter shop. Guy tested it and said it was fine. But it still has a couple weird starting problems. Wow. Good Italian uh, bikes, man. Yeah. Yeah, Keeps you busy, right? You can't. I was actually able to use, you know, Phil's sort of, uh, you know, lessons on lithium batteries that he that he gave in one of his episodes (laughs) to help. Yeah. To to help a guy that I'd work with. He was like, yeah, I don't know. He's he's like, you you work on your bike. And he's like, do you know what's going on? He like went to start his bike. He's like, it won't turn over. But. Everything seems to light up. I was like, "Do you have a lithium battery?" Like, has he? I was like, "If you put a lithium battery in," he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, I actually know what to do here." There you go. Like, let just let the battery warm up. You know, and we talked about it, and he hasn't had any problems since. Another, so, see, know, another Phil's advice. Podcasts help yeah. you out. That's why we listen to him. Yeah. So now that you got you got uh, Steve, you're in Florida, and uh, and Crash, you're out in California. Now, as far as it goes for the cafe racer culture. How are those in your areas? I mean, do you see much of that there? Is there much of a culture in either one of those places? I would imagine California, yes, more so. I, I well, don't know about more so, but there's definitely a lot in Florida and, and California. Yeah, it kind of it was funny because when I first got on the show with Chris, I was lamenting about the fact that there wasn't really a scene down here, and then I learned pretty quickly that you just have to look for the right people, and there there is a scene. And the club I'm a member of, the Vintage Iron Club, we do a festival every year that gets about 8,000 people, and it's not just cafe bikes. It's vintage motorcycles. They kind of go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing with the cafe culture is in some places it's more purist than it is here. So you'll have things like a mods and rockers type deal right. where 
Yeah, people are like holding true to that. They're wearing the the garb from the time, and you'll have guys that are riding scooters that are mods and wearing the you know the the, the teddy boy look. I, it Chris and I both don't really adhere to that have to be type of thing where it's got to be a British bike and it has to be from this time period. You know, we 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 certainly like those, uh, but modern classics to me fit in just as well. Oh, yeah. You know. It's more about the bike and, and what it what it does, you know, the cafe racer style, than it is about where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then there's a saying that built, not bought. And but I, I think if a guy goes out like Crash did and buys a Bonneville and then turns that bike into something completely his own yeah. that didn't look like it came off the showroom floor, that's the same thing to me. And that's really what the cafe racer guys were doing. They were taking a bike that was a commuter bike and cutting parts off of it to make it look like their, you know, hero of the day's race bike, trying to make it as light as possible. And that's kind of what we have going on now. Yeah. Crash, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I um, as far as the scene here in San Diego, like, it's definitely decent. Like, it, it's bigger than than I have, you know, the time for, you know, like my, my work schedule and all that sort of stuff always kind of gets in the way. It's real easy to just... Like, there's a there's a group there's so Cerberus Motor Moto is a like a motorcycle co-op where you can pay money to like be able to do maintenance and use their tools all that sort of stuff. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. Yeah, well, it's like motorcycles and misfits. That's kind of like what they're doing at their place, but you don't really. Pay. Okay, yeah. So um, the guy that runs that uh, that setup is a guy named Dave, and he he has a pretty decent you know like. He's really plugged into that scene, you know the the custom, not just custom, but like the the vintage bike scene here in San Diego. And they do stuff like every Sunday they get together and go for a ride. There's uh, the distinguished gentleman's bike or distinguished gentleman's ride pulls a ton of people uh, oh, yeah. every year. Oh my God, yes. Uh, and then and then we have like a mods versus rockers event here in San Diego. Um, that that this past year I went and I wasn't able to stay for the whole thing. I basically just went uh, the the. The motorcycle guys go on a ride, and the scooter guys go on a ride, and then they meet up mm-hmm. and the, in the middle. And then they um, fight. No. Yeah, I, that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> Except for this year, the motorcycle guys were very, very late to the party. Like, we showed up as it was like, okay, it's time to leave. Let's go. Um, but, man, there were, there were like a couple hundred uh, scooter guys, I think, and plus just about as many motorcycle guys. So. Wow, nice. It, it's definitely a, like a, a vibrant scene. <coughs> You'll, you'll I, probably I see it grow down here too because Ace Cafe Orlando is getting yeah, ready to open. Yeah, we, we just got the VIP invites for the the party, and there's a big group in Orlando called the Cafe Moto Club. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if you go to AIM Expo, they always have their bikes on display there right. when they do it in Orlando. I don't know how it's going to be. Where, where is it? It's going to be in Ohio. Uh, Columbus. Be in Columbus. Yeah. Ohio. Yeah, it's yeah. Ohio, Columbus. and then Vegas after that. Like really? Vegas for They're twenty Vegas, really eighteen. Ugh. Yeah, I think we're gonna both go to Vegas, right? Yeah, I'm gonna try because the yeah. you know tickets in and out, like flights in and out, are pretty cheap. Yeah, and, well, you're in San Diego. What's it like? You know, a ten minute flight? Probably something like that. It's a six hour <laughs> drive from here. And like, if you go on Groupon, you can find a hotel room for like twenty five bucks. Oh boy. On the other hand, Steve, it'll cost you a few bucks. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that the uh, cafe uh, racer culture in the U.S. is is not as well represented as the chopper culture? I don't. I don't really agree with that statement. Honestly, huh? I think it's. I think that like the chopper culture kind of like had a like obviously there was like the chopper culture in the seventies, like the original yeah. chopper thing, and I would I would say that during that time, yeah, the choppers were probably more well known and more popular than cafe racers because they were sort of an, an English you know, mm-hmm. thing now that it's like sort of a resurgence of either side, depending on which direction you approach motorcycling from, right, I think they're yeah. pretty equal. Uh, some I mean, people would say that like, that like cafe racers were almost a response to like the, the modern incarnation of a cafe racer is almost a response to the like orange County choppers no. idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one was kind of rising as the other was falling and I think that we're, like it almost feels like we're moving on to scramblers now. Uh, <laughs> no, and no, I I don't know. Uh, like scramblers uh, are the new cafe racer. I mean, you think that that the the whole 
chopper culture kind of peaked because now you're seeing these bikes on the secondary market and yeah. people are kind of giving them away. You know? Well, you know, as far as it goes for custom chopper, because like it, you take guys like uh, uh, was Sacred Steel Bikes, man. It's a custom chopper place, and these guys—they're not making your OCC choppers. They're making those, right? You know, really almost rat choppers. Really. So you see, mm-hmm. I see a lot of that, and that's right. why I'm wondering if the, it, this is. Either that's going out and Cafe Racer, it seems like the Cafe Racer thing might be coming, coming in, like really taking over. But I know that chopper thing is like still hanging there. Maybe they're both just hanging there. Like maybe they have both peaked and they're just both kind of like at this mean, maybe like they've made a, made sort of like their mark and they're sort of at a maintenance level of, but you know, you know they found their, their a lot of the, and, a lot of the American uh, manufacturers, I, no, I don't know about Indian, maybe. But they're starting to realize that the you know you got this cafe racer culture, and a lot of them are creating these add-ons for for their bikes. I know Harley is doing that now. Uh, perhaps even India might be doing that. But uh, I mean, is that something that you see more manufacturers doing more of? I think a lot of them are missing the boat on it though, because Crash and I were at AIM a couple of years ago, and Kawasaki had released a cap what their so-called cafe bike was. Yeah. And they basically took one of their like sport cruisers, some, similar to like a sport sportster with forward controls, right. and slapped a little mini windscreen on it and a stripe and called it a cafe bike. And you know, I kind of talked to one of the guys there, and I said, "This really isn't. It may have the look, but yeah, if you take if if a manufacturer's got a standard out, like for instance a mid control sportster, right, you could easily make that." Into like what was that that they had that they got the, the Roadster, FL, well, the, the XR, the, the XRC, this X, the CR. What was the one that Harley had oh. back in the seventies? Oh yeah, 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 the yeah. X, the XLCR. Yeah, oh, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> so it's a very you know, the, the XLCR is a very like boxy, crazy like avant garde for the time. Uh, cafe one of my racer, favorite bikes yeah, I've is, ever yeah. seen. Yeah, that was a great bike. I loved the way that thing looked. Um. I don't know. You know, I think I think they're starting to see. It just seems to me the manufacturers are always a little late to the party. But it, 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 it may take them a while to ramp up. You know, it, it's not something they can do overnight. But I, I applaud them for marketing to that scene and bringing more products out so guys can customize bikes. Certainly, Triumph has done that. Yamaha's done an incredible job at it because they've got bikes where they they follow the model of Harley Davidson where. Instead of buying a bike and then having to order the parts, you can actually get the bike and then everything's there. They'll put it on the bike. It's part of your financing, and you walk out the door with something right, you want. Right, exactly. Because that's it's an irritant of mine. Uh, for example, Harley Davidson's uh, new new Roadster, for example, which came out last year. Now they have for 2017 the add-on parts that you can buy in addition to to create your own cafe racer bike. All well and good, but yeah. why do I have to buy the parts? Why can't I just Order. This is what I want. Give me the Cafe Racer based on this right. platform. But no manufacturer right. seems to be doing that. Well, certain the, American guys. I I feel like when Honda comes out with one, it, you can you can say that it's dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like when, when when Honda comes out with a Cafe Racer, Cafe Racers are dead. It's it's over. Oh, is, it, is that <laughs> like is, the, is that the, the is that the line? With, yeah. I th- I think so. I mean, the, they came out with the Honda Fury. And that marked the yeah, death of yeah. the Orange County Choppers style chopper. Pretty much, uh, I yeah. think that you know that. You know the funny thing the, is uh, the V twin the X, what is it the the Honda Interceptor based uh, adventure bike the XV twelve hundred or oh, whatever. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that thing's. Kind of. The funny thing is, Honda had a really cool cafe bike that they sold called the GB500. Mm-hmm. That was a dog at that period in time in sales, and now they're like, you know, coveted. People try to find those things on eBay and buy them. But um, yeah, I'm, I agree with Crash. Wow. They're all they're super late always. Well, yeah, I mean that GB500 kind of has got a kind of a goozy look to it. The big X, super big tank on it. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. So now, as far as it goes for your, for your your ideal cafe racer bike, what would you say would be the ideal cafe racer bike? Either one that you built yourself, or one that you could actually go and buy. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Didn't think that was going to be a really, tough one, but go ahead. I don't know why that's hard. Like I, I really like. So I like my Bonneville a lot in its like 
really like stripped down cafe racer sort of form but i've always just kind of wanted it the engine is a little bit lacking in the character department um some people like the the guys from wheel nerds like chuck had a thruxton and he said that it was just like it was like a sewing machine like it just didn't it didn't ever really do anything for him and i can kind of see that like i really like the bike but at the same time yeah it's just very it doesn't have a lot of character i like the v-twin character and so something like um a ducati or even a sportster that has been just stripped down to nothing and you know made into like a flat tracker or a cafe racer style bike would be really appealing to me all right so why aren't you building one of those because I've got my wife a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, hear that, Jess? <laughs> She's yeah. in the kitchen blaming it on her. Okay. <laughs> I think if I had to choose, it would be um, either a vintage Norton. Oh, wow. We, we've, we've got a friend of the show, Bob's British Bikes, and he's got one, and I've seen the thing up close and really like it a lot. But if it was something more modern, I'd probably pick the Moto Guzzi V7 Racer. I just really like the way that bike looks. You know, it's super underpowered. It's got a dog of a motor on it, but <laughs> those are ideal qualities. <laughs> yeah, you know the thing you can't even you know, there's performance parts there for, um, but it's just such a neat looking bike. I like it. That I love a V7 R. racer with a yeah. The Thruxton R is beautiful, but the a V7 racer with the moto the Griso motor in it. Like, oh yeah, that 1200cc V twin uh, from the Griso would be great. That thing would scream. Yeah. I'm surprised someone hasn't done that yet, you know? Yeah, Just try to yeah. wedge that Griso motor in there. I think the Thruxton R is absolutely beautiful though, I agree. That thing's so yeah. nice looking. Never been yeah. a tri- never been a Triumph guy, so it's hard for me to get into it. But that's They're great bikes. I've actually owned a Triumph Tiger, the the triple, and uh, you know, they're they really good quality motorcycle they produce. That's a it's a yeah. tell you what I do what I do know is that they're the Tiger makes a great adventure bike. The this is my second triumph as well. I had a speed triple before that I tried to kill myself on several times. <laughs> is that a hobby? It became it started to become one. That's why I had to get rid of it. I was like <laughs> I'm way too irresponsible for this motorcycle. Uh, so crash now. I, I I guess Jess did not finish her bike yet, right? No. So it it is riding, and I've ridden it to work a couple times, but it's this sort of like ever developing like we find an issue we fix the issue and that like sheds light on another one so a great example is the handlebars were bent from uh like a previous tip over mm-hmm. so i replaced the handlebars and then rode it to work and i was driving to work going i don't think the handlebars and the front wheel are perfectly squared up with each other and when i stopped at work you know i pointed the front wheel straight ahead and looked down the handlebars are cockeyed a little bit to the left it's like okay so that needs to be addressed um we got crash bars for her bike so that way you know we don't crack the cases open because we yeah. dropped it in the parking lot you know yeah, so we call um, those uh, in the harley world we call those engine guards <laughs> yes yes so so i got some engine guards slash uh crash bars um and when this stupid debacle with these things um put them on went to torque everything down and the instructions on the the manual for the bars said use the motorcycle manufacturer special specified torque for all hardware i did that and snapped the rods that hold the stupid crash bars on so are you kidding me how much torque did you put on it uh, like 50 foot-pounds. Um, yeah, that seems like a lot for a handlebar bolt. Oh, well, not the handlebars. It's They're the, the crash bars, oh, so the they're the engine bar. mounts. They're, it's the same, the the bolts that hold the engine to the frame. Um, and since Suzuki's manual says it's like 43 to 52 foot-pounds. So your, your engine guard <laughs> uses the same bolt holes as the engine mount? Yes. Really? Um, yeah, it, it forms strange. like a little cage around. It's not uncommon. Uh, no kidding. Um, well, I guess Harleys yeah, are a little no. different because mine bolts to the frame. Yeah, your engine's probably rubber mounted into your frame too, though, isn't it? No, solid. Yeah, so okay. It's, like, it's a soft tail, so mine's soft. It doesn't. Oh. There's no vibration at all. Yeah, you've got a, you've you've got the 
The what, what year Softail? I got a 20, 2003 Heritage Classic. Okay, so you've got a twin cam 88B. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yours is the, got the balancer. The Dynas had a rubber-mounted engine. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, so you know all this crap about Harley's crash? <laughs> He's been studying, I guess. <laughs> I have... The the first motorcycles I ever was interested in were Harleys. My my uncle is like the reason I got into motorcycles, and he is a dyed in the wool Harley fanatic. He has a seventy one, um, like ultra classic or whatever really? they were called, like Electra Glide, whatever. I mean, uh, or had we, he had one? We'll make fun of you know Harley Davidson and Harley riders and stuff, but you you cannot beat the fit and finish that oh, comes out of the Harley say. Davidson shop. Yeah. That yeah, there's just nothing like it. You know it. it if every motorcycle manufacturer made bikes like that, it'd be incredible. But there's a huge difference between what rolls out of Harley Davidson and every other manufacturer. You know, <coughs> it's so much so that I own Harley Davidson stock. You know, <laughs> really <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, wow. it's always you know, Harley Davidson's always performed well. It's an American company. You know, I, it, I, I honestly. The only thing, the only reason I probably don't own one right now is I have a really hard time with forward controls. I would have to have a bike that had mid controls. You know, the funny thing is you can get into the Dyna bikes and you can get into, of course, the Sportster range. They have a lot of mid control bikes. A lot of them are. Yeah. Uh, and if you, if you get the chance, take the, uh, the, uh, the Street Rod 750 for a ride. That thing's got a kick in the ass, I tell you. That's, uh, that's uh, mid control. I, which one now? The it's, Street 750? The, it's not the Street 750. It's their new one. It's called oh, the okay. Street Rod 750. Same and, bike, though? Same. It's, it's kind of like the same bike, but they really changed it up a lot. They really, really, I, they really kicked it. Te- yeah, I test rode the Street 750 at AIM, and I, what, what I can tell you is the motor on that thing was great. The chassis was horrible. Yeah. Well, this I, new, I'd actually... Well, the new one, uh, this new iteration of that bike... Uh, is getting raved on. In fact, it's got that little cafe racer cowling on the front of it too, you know. And they changed. Yeah, I, up I the, read an article about that. Yeah, they the changed up the seat. It's got a scoop seat in the back, and it's uh, uh, it's getting rave reviews from all the mags. Uh, I may go test one either tomorrow or on Thursday. But there, there are a lot of Harleys, a few models that have mid controls. Yeah, um, they're out there. The so, yeah, I, I torque these things down, right? And it snaps the bolts that hold the engine into the bike. So, that obviously, I couldn't ride it. Um, I called the company, and they were like, they kind of like quizzed me on what I did. Like, okay, yeah, that was, that's what the instructions said to do. So, that's on us, I guess. Um, but the distributor here in the United States was like, well, we're going to have to get those replacement parts into our ordering system. You're probably not going to get replacement parts for. Eight to ten weeks. What? So I went to Fastenal, uh, plug for Fastenal, the craziest manufacturer of all things threaded, <laughs> and uh, just got like some steel threaded rods in the appropriate metric size and mounted the crash bars up with those. So it'll be fine until I get actually get the replacement rods, which I may never actually put in. I, I find it humorous that it, you're going to hardware stores for parts for your motorcycle. Yeah. Metric <laughs> stuff is, you know. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, to, to get the new bolts for my foot peg brackets, because I had rear sets on there that basically I needed longer bolts for the rear sets, and I have lost the original ones. To, to return them back to stock, I needed much shorter bolts so the bolts didn't hit the swing arm. And to get them from Triumph was going to be several weeks i could go to an industrial hardware store that has every metric size you can imagine uh, and just yeah. buy some bolts and whatever works go right? on my way that's nah, okay <laughs> I, I i can't talk because i did the same thing for my harley ones one of the control bolts snapped and i just, i just went to local hardware store and picked up yeah. the bolts it works so, so i have uh, parts from four different motorcycles on my bonneville so <laughs> <laughs> now does you're in the navy does the navy life at all get in way of your riding Sure. I mean, we get, you know, I get the sort of, I'm on sea duty. So, you know, there's the always kind of last minute deployment potential. um, And then just, you know, even though I have saddlebags and I try to commute a lot, 
it seems like I'll go a week where I commute every day, and then I go like a week where I can't. I got to drive the truck or you know the car or whatever every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've been working weekends a lot. So, um, like this past weekend, we actually had both days off, and I was the whole day Saturday talking to Jess, going, "Yeah, so tomorrow when I go to work," and she's like, "You don't go to work tomorrow. It's tomorrow Sunday." I'm like, "Oh, that's right. This isn't the one day off I got." In so the last two so weeks, she you know? cooks, she works on her own bike, and she knows your schedule better than you do. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, Steve, you did uh, the ride up the divide uh, not long ago. And uh, tell, us, tell us about that. That was a lot of fun. That was, uh, we were, Crash kind of saw the, the birth of that. We were at the AM Expo doing a, uh, <clears throat> a roundtable with, um, Chuck from Wheel Nerds, mm-hmm. and I think James was there too from the Pace, and yep. Spencer Hill from the Gear Dude, and was, this thing just started to form in his twisted mind in Spencer's <laughs> head, and we took two guys that have never ridden motorcycles up the Continental Divide, and the only thing I wish is that Crash would have went with us, but he had jerk and family life, yeah. I know what a loser. Yeah. But uh, we we just said we've had some challenges getting the movie made only because the first production company that was going to work with us wanted to see more drama between the people on the trip. And we all got along really well. Imagine that. So we just sent all the footage off to another uh, guy that's going to be cutting it for us. So hopefully we'll have it's going to I think what we're going to end up with is a web series that will be, you know, uh, it'll culminate in a movie. And we're hoping to have it done by probably Overland Expo East. So like October in Asheville, mm-hmm. we were shooting for May for this month for the Overland Expo West. But I just don't think there's any way it's going to be done by then. Um, <clears throat> we had a terabyte worth of footage. <coughs> sorry, man, I'm still fighting a little bit of a cold. Sorry. Um, you know, and there was a lot of really incredible scenes from that trip. It was a great learning experience. I was older than those guys all by about 20 years. So for me, it took a toll. I, I was riding with Arvania the majority of the trip, which uh, wasn't fun, but it, it, oh, it sounds I, like I a would hoot, do, man. I would do it again in a heartbeat, honestly. Yeah. And when we got to Roosevelt on the Canadian border, I looked at Spencer and he said, let's turn around and go back the other way. And I'm like, I'm with you. Let's go. So uh, if I would have had the time, I would have done that. Wow. We had a really great time. It was an epic trip. And I would I would tell you, you know, not necessarily just an adventure ride, but for the people that are listening, if you've been thinking about making a long trip and you've been putting it off, just do it. You know, it, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, and, that's uh, not, it was a great experience. It's not the first time I've heard those words uttered uh, on this yeah. show. And you're right, man. If it, it, putting it off is no good. But how long of a, how long of a trip was that? A little over 3,000 miles. Took us 15 days. Wow. Um, it really should have been a 19-day trip. So we were way too confident on the miles off-road we were going to be doing every day. So there were a lot of days we were pushing it and ended up coming into camp like at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Hey, yeah, kind of burn out then. Well, it was, it, it, listen, it, the, it was great because you got done, you got to camp, and then everybody was was kind of cooked, fried, but you had a great time. I, like the first night we were in camp, we made dinner, and everybody like pulled their stoves out and their little plates, you know, and we ripped open the bag of Mountain House food and, you know, spooned it out into a plate. By the like third or fourth night, we were handing one bag around with one community fork. And just like, here, you eat now, and then you eat. And it was just like, you're so tired by the time you got to camp. But that stuff never got pulled out. Somebody just pour some hot water in that bag and start handing it around you know, while we, we set up tents and stuff. I, but, like, uh, I take it you lost weight on that trip. Eh, probably not. I think I, <laughs> you had a stash of Oreos, did you? No, we had a lot of uh, Kate's Real Food was a sponsor. So we had... Oh, no shortness of Kate's real food bars with us everywhere. So <coughs> if you got hungry, you had food there. But so you had an entire support team with you, also. And a camera. No, crew. we didn't. Oh, you didn't. No, 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 nothing. No, we had. No, as a matter of fact, it was all done with helmet cams. Um, the audio was all done off the helmet cams. We had the only other cameras that we took besides we had uh, Cena Bluetooth prisms, which are 
honestly, for the most part, it's kind of it's almost a disposable camera. They they're not really rugged. We had three of them that um, just quit working on the trip. That Cena was really kind enough to send us replacement cameras. And keep in mind too, we were riding off road, so they yeah. took a lot of bumps. We had one GoPro, and then we had a small um, zoom video camera with like pro audio quality on there. Oh, like the Q4. We got a Q8. The Q8. The Q8 is a great machine. Yeah, we had a, we had a Q8 with us, and, I, and then my Olympus um, DSLR. I have a an OM1, okay. D, you know the the top of the line one, and that was it. There was no production team. There was you know I managed all of our cards all the time, right. so. Even batteries, like charging batteries, I had a nine watt solar panel on the back of the bike. the The, the biggest challenge was the drone batteries. We had a DJI Phantom Four drone with us, and the drone batteries took three hours to charge. So whenever we could find some place that had a plug, we would stop and try to charge the drone batteries up. You know, since that time, the newer drones that are out, you get a, a lot more flight time and a lot less charging time. But yeah, the the drone footage we got was absolutely incredible. Wow. What, and Spencer uh, what, did a what drone did you use? A, uh, the Phantom Four. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Spencer did most of the piloting of that, and he's really a talented guy when it comes to, you know, flying and filming on a drone. You know, a couple <laughs> but, of the couple of the guests that I've had on the show, uh, who were adventure travelers, they've they've used drones, and they said the technology is improving. Where now they're getting uh, you know, thirty minutes or a little bit more of uh, flight time. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, the new one, I think GoPro initially announced 45-minute flight time on theirs, and the, the the Mavic Pro by DJI is, has a longer flight time. But, you know, this thing had a follow-me mode. Yeah. It actually followed us around. It was great. Wow. So it, it, it was done on a shoestring budget. We, For the most part, we had sponsors that took care of a lot of parts and equipment for us, but for the most part, Spencer and I funded a lot of it ourselves. Wow. So that's a big deal. It was just, yeah, it, and it, it you know, it, the biggest cost for me was shipping the bike because I didn't have enough time to ride the, from Florida to um, Antelope Wells, New Mexico, and then from, from Montana back. Yeah. So I had to ship the bike there and back, and that was a big expense. Plus, you know, tick, I had to fly. They rented a U Haul, put five, four bikes in the U Haul, and drove down from Seattle. And then one of the guys we took with us, one of the new guys, he had to fly in from work. So I met him at the airport in Atlanta, and then we flew together down to El Paso. Wow! But cool. I would do that. I would do that trip again in a heartbeat. Great. Let me it know, was, and I'll go. I would love to do that. It was a lot of fun. Wow! It was a lot of fun. Now, so, yeah. so do you think we're going to see this in the theaters, or is this going to be simply just a web thing? No, it'll probably be more at motorcycle events, you know, like the okay. Overland Expo. Yeah, yeah we're not going to do a theater thing because it's probably only going to be about an hour. Oh, okay. If we, yeah. And there was a, a film that came out prior to ours that before we started filming, and I don't remember what it was called, but <clears throat> it was sold to the motorcycle industry like an adventure travel film. Yes, and, I know exactly what movie you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> So we really made sure that we weren't yeah. going to follow that at all. And that, they had a full production company with them. Yeah. Yeah. That turned out to be a huge flop for them. Big time. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, it was a story worth living. Yeah, a story worth living. Yeah. And, they, you know, you listen to interviews of the guy that did it said he didn't really care because he, all he felt like is he wanted to get the message out of yeah. what they were trying to convey. And we, when we talked to sponsors, we said, look, this is not what we're doing. There's going to be... A lot of foul language and, you know. <laughs> and the funny thing is one of the new guys that we took with us is a priest. Oh, a Jesuit priest. <laughs> <laughs> and he was and he was the most fun really of the trip. Jeff was a blast. He was a, he, he got really pumped on this trip. He he wants to he'll end up being a lifelong rider because of this. Yeah. But I'll I'll tell you a funny story is we were sitting in the parking lot in Steamboat Campground in Colorado, and Chuck from Wheel Nerds had rode up on his Ural. He was going to spend a week riding with us. <laughs> on the Ural. And so he, par- you know, he parked there, and we're all sitting around, and here comes Jeff into the so parking like lot. So like 10 minutes in Chuck time, in, yeah, in Chuck- actual Chuck riding time. Oh, yeah. It was, that was a disaster. That whole thing with the Ural was a so disaster. Bad. Oh, God. That cost Chuck $2,000, and he rode like 15 minutes with us, and that was <laughs> That was that was like all his vacation money and AMX Expo oh, money and everything. 
Yeah. So we're in the parking lot, and Jeff comes riding up on the KLR, and he did this like rolling dismount where he like threw a leg off the bike, jumped off of it, and let the bike crash to its side. It just <laughs> falls on the ground. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck goes to him. He goes, "Is that how those guys taught you how to get off a motorcycle?" Because I can tell you right now, that's not the right way. <laughs> I don't know what Jeff was doing when he got off that bike, but he must have dropped that KLR 50 times on that trip. Oh, my the, God. Oh, yeah, to the point where by the time we were at the last few days, I had it strung together with tie wraps and tape. Wow. Know, just, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how he thought you was supposed to get off the bike. <laughs> it was funny. We had a good time. Uh, getting, Jeff, back, getting back to the podcast, I want to talk about that for a second. I, I, what's your favorite part about doing the Cafe Racer podcast? It makes me like get out of my little, you know, bubble and like go do stuff sometimes. We, we, you know, have, like, we have it, a crash it, bubble, right? Is that what we have? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I it's so easy for me to just like stay in my own little, you know, space. And I mean even I did two kind of long motorcycle trips. I didn't ride with anyone else. You know, I, I they were by myself. I, you know, <laughs> like I, I, it's really easy for me to just fall into this trend of never speaking to other people except for at work. <laughs> um, and, like, I miss out on a lot of cool stuff. And doing the show, like, got me... So I, I, I know we're not really recording video, but I've got a shirt on from uh, an event that was every Wednesday near in this little town outside Seattle. Um, when I lived up in Washington, I would go down there two or three times a month to this, like, several hundred motorcycle event of, like, people just showing up on whatever crazy bikes you can think of mm-hmm. um, and hanging out and talking and, you know, people from work ended up going with me a few times. Like, it, it definitely like, got me out, got me, like, involved in doing stuff, uh, which, I, like I said, I probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for the show. Yeah. Cool. How about you, Steve? The same thing, really. And then just the fact that I like talking to other riders. You know, I like motorcyclists in general and... <laughs> It gives us an opportunity to get involved more in the scene and connect with people we normally probably wouldn't connect with. Um, you know, we certainly don't do it for those big podcast dollars. Oh, so. my God. Really? You don't? Come on, we know uh, you guys are raking it in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's just like, like Crash. Because like, I'm, I'm, him and I are very similar. I'm kind of the same way where I like being solitary. Because uh, people suck, kinda, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> it's okay. You can. Go on. Uh, so you guys got any big rides planned coming up? You know, I think it, getting Jess out on the street will be a big ride all by itself. <laughs> like that. Not, and I don't mean that in any kind of like negative way. She's, right. she's like really careful. Um, she's, uh, you know, she's feeling really cautious and not, not confident. To, enough to ride on the street so like the last time she rode she got on the back of her bike with me and we rode over to this high school parking lot she rode it around for like i don't know maybe five or ten minutes and then dropped it and broke the clutch lever <laughs> so so that was the end of the day there um so and then we rode back to our house with no clutch which was the first time i've ever done that and it was fun i would it was i kind of want to just do it again for the hell of it but uh, <laughs> um you know just Getting her out on the street is going to be like a big thing for her for the first time. Now she has her license, and though, right? She does. Yeah, she went yeah. to the class. Uh, she has her license. She's just um, does she still some short. anxiety about it? A little bit, yeah. And she's yeah. also she's she's short. She's like five one. So even on the GS five hundred, she has a hard time. You know, it feels light to her, which is good, but mm-hmm. it's still kind of like a far reach to the ground. Um, at least I'm glad that she doesn't like try to hold the bike up when it starts to fall over because you can really mess your back up <laughs> oh, if you're yeah. not careful. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, she, you know, getting her out on the road, and then once that happens, there's a there's a little town, like a quaint little like touristy kind of town called Julian, not far from here. It's like an hour's ride, maybe right. up in the mountains, um, and that's probably going to be our first like big ride with with Jess. There you go. How about you, Steve? Well, Crash and I have always talked about doing a ride together, and hopefully in the near future we can do that where we're doing something maybe up the Pacific Coast Highway. You know, I'll, I'll definitely go out to California because I haven't spent a lot of time out there. 
You know, Spencer and I talked about doing the Transatlantic Trail, at least part of it, mm-hmm. across the U.S. I got a buddy who just bought a BMW, and we're also talking about maybe an Alaska trip. But Ooh, nice. Right, right now, we don't have anything really on the books to say that we've got anything scheduled. I mean, we both do a lot of riding in our respective areas, but yeah. nothing big other than that trip he's talking about. So, um, up, Coming up in September... Uh, we were talking about trying to go out to a uh, an event in Albuquerque um, that is what is it called? Duke City yeah, Duke City Duke Rockers City, is the name of the club. Duke City Rockers. It's, um, I think it's called that, isn't it? Like Duke City. It's Duke City something. I can't remember what it's called now. Well, we have this amazing thing called the internet, and we, we can always do. look that up. Duke um, City Marathon. It's called, so. It's called the Duke City Rockers is the name of the club, and they put on an event, um, and it's, in, it's coming up in September, that is close enough that Jess and I can probably get out there, and it won't, you know, completely and utterly break the bank to get there and back. Yeah, it's Duke City Rockers Albuquerque's Vintage Motorcycle Group. Yeah, we, we did an interview with them on the show a few weeks ago, a month yes. ago, something like that. Um, so... I'd really like to go out to that, um, you know, and all these kind of things like Team Expo and that sort of. I never would have heard about or gone to if it wasn't for doing the show. Yeah, you learn a lot that way. Um, so as far as goes for the podcast, what's coming up uh, in the um, weeks, months to come? Interviews, events, and things like that. Well, the opening of the Ace Cafe in Orlando, we'll definitely be there for that. Awesome. So we'll be hopefully doing some interviews. We always seem to meet a lot of great people when it comes to the Ace Cafe. And uh, I had a chance to interview Kevin Schwantz, who was a former uh, U.S. world champion for the Grand Prix racing, along with Mark Wilsmore, the owner. And that was a great, great time doing that. So we're definitely going to be there for the opening of the Ace. And, you know, we, ha- we have these great events that happen in our areas, like the Daniel Beach Vintage Motorcycle Show and some other things that... I'll be attending. That's usually we, you know, we have a rolling calendar of events that are either cafe based or vintage based or adventure based that we do. I'll probably be at the um, Overland Expo East in Asheville in October as well. Okay, that's I'll Ash- probably ride up. Is that Asheville, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina? North Carolina. Asheville. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, okay. That's 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 done at the Biltmore, which is like the oldest and largest private residence, the largest private residence in the U.S. originally. Okay. It was built by the Vanderbilt, so I'll probably ride up there for that. That's when, a nice ride. And when is that? Uh, it's in October. I'll tell you the dates in a second. Just give me one sec. What do you got going on, Crash? Um, other than, so the name of that uh, rally in September for the Duke City Rockers is called Attack of the Cafe Racers. <laughs> um, but um, other than that, I don't, just just riding, you know, to work and back as much as I can, getting Jess's bike as squared away as possible. Like, it's got an oil leak, too, that we're currently trying to troubleshoot. Well, you can fix that probably at a hardware store. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, we <laughs> there's, a, there's a bike shop that's pretty close that ordered the O-ring for the oil filter because her bike doesn't have, like, the standard, like, car-style t- car spin-on oil filter right. that my Bonneville does. It has, like a little paper filter that goes in a compartment and then you bolt this lid down on it. Wow. Really? So that's weird. Yeah. It looks like it based the, the oil filter looks like a car oil filter just without any of the exterior shell. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then you, you put it in this little hole and then put a, put a, the bolt this cap down on top of it. And I think it's leaking from there, but I'm not positive because of like when I go in the garage and I look at where the oil is on the ground, it's sort of a weird shape. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if that's where that's coming from, but I'm going to change that because it was $4 and it was cheap. If it's anything more than that, maybe it's the drain, the drip pan or the, drain, you know, the oil pan gasket or something. I don't know. We're, get, we're figuring it out. It seems like your adventures with that bike is an event in itself. Yeah, just like I said, as soon as we get one thing fixed, we find the next thing and the next thing. One of these days that bike will be done and then we'll sell it. <laughs> Because she'll be like, okay, time for me to get something else. You know, time to get a bigger bike or, a, you know, a prettier bike or whatever. What do you got, Steve? So it's September 29th through October 1st in Asheville for 4th Annual Overland Expo East. And I will 
hopefully be there for that. All right. Uh, that's what's on the calendar right now, besides our normal show, which we'll be recording a new episode tomorrow night. Awesome. Yeah. That's Great. the plan. Where our listeners can hear me complain about all the hard drive store <laughs> trips. <laughs> Excellent. So how can uh, our, our listeners find out about you guys and uh, get in touch with you and all that? Let's see. I will start with the show's website is CafeRacerPodcast.com, which pretty makes sense um and then if you put in cafe racer podcast into almost any social media thing facebook twitter instagram you will find us okay um you can reach out to us at if you want to get us both in one shot feedback at cafe racer com is our email address or crash or steve you know at cafe racer com. if you want me to see something but not steve um i'll cc him anyway okay <laughs> Excellent. People, you know, we have people that complain about like each other and the music and stuff, and we just basically say, "Yeah, well, you know, sorry." <laughs> it's 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 really fifty fifty, and it's so so funny because it's almost <clears throat> it's almost always that within the same twenty four hour period, we'll get two emails that contradict each other. Somebody going, "When are you guys going to get rid of that stupid music? I hate it. It's thirty seconds. It suck at the beginning of your show." Well, you see, this just it. Uh, and then, you know. yeah, and then like less than a day later, I'll get, man, I love the music of the beginning of your show, I, man. It's like the best part. <laughs> I think it's the same guy that sends both emails, honestly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Maybe. You know, the thing is, Maybe it's someone suffering from, uh, you know, multiple five. personality disorders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, being a podcaster, the thing is you set up your podcast and your song, your intro song to your show, that pretty defines you. This is who you are. So you can't change it. You know, that's who you are. And it's how people identify you. And the stupid things you do on your show, whatever you say, music, whatever background, that defines you. We get people complaining about our sound effects on our show all the time. And you know what? We say, do what? Deal with it. <laughs> They're not going right. away. Yeah. You know, that's just it. You know. you, nobody's forcing anybody to listen right. to it. Like, you know, right. If you don't like the sound of my voice, or you think that Steve <laughs> is a Debbie Downer, or you think that the music is terrible. <laughs> Steve, are you a Debbie um, Downer? You know, yeah, you have the option to listen right. to another show. <laughs> Although, you know, I, I like the feedback. It's fun sometimes. Yeah. There, yeah. there have been... There, there were some complaints about Jess. Like, I don't want to hear about a story of a new rider learning to ride. That's stupid. And like I said, like the same day, somebody's like, man... I really identify with your wife learning how to ride. <laughs> it makes me feel so great and empowered. I think I'm going to go with that guy or I girl, see. whoever it was. Right? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be able to please everybody. So, no, of course not. You know, so why try to please anyone? That's right. <laughs> right. This is why. This is why we curse and say bad things. You know, our motto is we stay stupid shit, so you don't have to. Right? Nice. <laughs> that sounds more like Chuck's motto, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to those guys. They're funny. Yeah, you know, some of my yeah. favorite episodes that you guys have are the ones where Jess is on. Because well, it's it, good. Yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, well, she's right there cooking, right? She's in the other room. She yeah. was in here a second ago. I, I, saw, I saw somebody's head pop in real quick. It's okay. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, I want to thank you very much for being on the Motorcycle Men podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. So, everybody, go, please go check out the Cafe Racer podcast. Uh, they're great, great guys. And we love having them on. And thank you very much. Our brand new friends here on the Motorcycle Men podcast. Guys, thank you very thank much you. for joining us. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Great. Yeah, thank it was. you. All right. All right. Thank you very much for listening to this episode number 89 with Crash and Steve of the Cafe Racer podcast. So please take the time to check out their website and their podcast and tell them how much you enjoyed the show. And listening to them, tell us about the Cafe Racer culture and their podcast. I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to check out our friends over at Loud Pipes Podcast, Throttled Podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits, Cleveland Moto, Motorific, and, of course, the Wheel Nerds. And for you video nerds, check out Del Boy's Garage on YouTube. You might learn something there. All of these podcasts and YouTube channels and many more out there like these do great things to promote and encourage our sport and our passion. So please patronize them as much as you can. Also, take a look at our sponsors, Love-Jugs, Love Jugs. Uh, check them out at love-jugs.com. Cool off your big twin with Love Jugs. And I'll tell you what, I just put them on my bike, and I love them. 
And um, some cool stuff coming up with that. We'll, we'll tell you all about that in the next episode. That's love-jugs.com. And, of course, check out Ciro 3D, providing you with top-quality accessories, comfort, and performance parts for your big twin. That's Ciro3D.com. Last but not least, get your leather on with our friend Joe over at Surefire Designs. Custom lids for your bagger. And, of course, Sims Designs. That's it. Check out. Talk to Jim up there at Sims Designs. And your bike ain't cool until it's Sims Design cool. And, of course, get a hold of Dave Ackerman over at Tobacco Motorwear. And get yourself some Kevlar line jeans and their Kevlar line California riding shirt. That's some badass stuff right there. All right. From Tim Buck 2. Chris the Joker and me, Ted, your host. Thank you for listening to the Motorcycle Men podcast. This was episode 89 with Crash and Steve of the Cafe Racer podcast. This has been the Motorcycle Men podcast where we say stupid stuff so you don't have to.